This is your tech report. Welcome back to your tech report. I am Marco Flalo, as always, joined by Mitchell Whitfield. I happen to be in Montreal. Mitchell, you happen to be in Los Angeles. This is very important because yes, uh, our next interview. Uh, yes, and, and we, we were just sort of talking about this off the air, but now it is time to let our audience, our listening audience, into what we were talking about. Mark, you come to visit me a lot in California because we're good friends, we're good pals, and you normally stay in Santa Monica. Yes, that's kind of like your place that yeah, you like to Yeah, when I come with be. the family especially, it's like Santa Monica's nice because it's, you know, on the beach. If the weather's nice, it's always nice, but obviously Great if food. I come alone, I tend to, you know, stay near you. Yeah, no, I know, but but Santa Monica really is a good choice. And, you know, spending time in Santa Monica, there's been an explosion of Lime scooters in Santa Monica. People using Lime to get around now. We, we really, we, I don't really want to really go too much. If you haven't heard of Lime, uh, you know, we're going to let our next guest talk about it. But this is such a fascinating company. And now Canada is going to be getting, Mark, you're going to be getting your first taste of Lime in Canada. So I'm really excited about this next interview. Let's bring our guest on. Nico Propes is a manager of Midwest Strategic Development for Lime. Nico, welcome to your tech report. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. You know, the, the, now the, the the reason we're talking today is because obviously the announcement, which is uh, Lime has launched the first, I guess, location in Canada. Can you tell us more about this announcement before we kind of dive into the company? Yeah, no, it's been a very exciting week for us. Uh, on Tuesday of this week, um, we launched our first Canadian market in Waterloo, uh, Canada, which has been a really exciting project, really true public-private partnership. Um, the city has just had a really sort of innovative approach and really focused on how they bring new micro-mobility options, transportation options to their city. And so it was really a, a symbiotic relationship from, um, you know, both of our sort of strategic goals um, and, and really just been a pleasure working with the city to bring our product there. So we launched on Tuesday officially, and it's been um, quite a successful launch already. Nico, why Waterloo? Yeah, so, I mean, we've had our, our eyes on the Canadian market, for many Canadian markets for um, quite some time and been talking to several cities. Um, but Waterloo um, has, has sort of always been in the, the foresight of places that we thought would make sense for this product. One, um, they're an incredibly innovative, very tech-friendly city, um, just have really fostered an incredible community of, of tech innovators there. Um, so that that are, in itself makes it a really attractive market. I think the, the barrier of entry for a user getting on this product is um, pretty low. Folks are pretty used to app-based technology and the sort of shared gig economy, if you will. Um, and so that that in, in itself is really attractive, but it's also got a really great uh, university system as well, um, and that is always a place that we feel like we have a, a unique ability to provide new transportation solutions to. Um, and then the really, I think, great component of, of how the city has looked at this pilot, we're dealing with sort of a regulatory environment in uh, the province of Ontario that um, bans the, the usage of these products on public roads. And so Waterloo identified some private trailways that they've uh, they've really built out over the past few years, um, and they really wanted to use these as a test case to see how these products can be utilized. It really is a perfect connector to some of the tech campuses, to the broader parts of the city. So a great opportunity for folks who work out in these campuses to get to lunch, grab a coffee during the day, um, you know, hopefully when they finish their LRT system, get off the train and, and take it to the campus spot. So we really think it's a, it's a great sort of first test case um, and sort of showing the province that this product can can really work in a, in a robust fashion. You know, Nico, Lime has become, you've grown so fast, and Lime is such a smart solution to green urban transportation, but I'm sure Mm -hmm. there are plenty of people out there that are listening right now that may be unfamiliar, maybe their city doesn't have green scooters, what am I saying, green scooters, Lime scooters, but Limes are green. Uh, For those that are not familiar with Lime, as a company, what you guys do, the scooters themselves, tell people, for for our listeners that don't know, what is Lime and what you guys do? 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, so our, our founding CEOs, um, they, uh, they started the company in January of 2017. So to your point, it really has been a rapid expansion. Um, and when they started, we really were focused on being a micromobility company, and it was not something that we had found um, in, in the States yet. And it's a concept, I think, the sort of bike share concept is something that had been ingrained in um, other national, in other countries. But um, this, you know, was really the first foray in America. And so they started in January, but uh, launched our first market in Greenboro, North Carolina, in, in June of 2017. Um, and since that time, we've uh, entered into 100-plus markets uh, globally, um, which has been really exciting. And, and it's been a, a real evolution of what kind of products we're offering in sort of this micro-mobility space. So we first launched the traditional pedal bike um, as our, our first sort of bike share um, component, and that's um, what we were offering for the first few months of our company. Um, and then we evolved into e-bikes, which is where I think a lot of the next steps on bike share going. Those are bikes right. with an electric assist battery at the back of them. They're a really great option for folks that, um, you know, they, they, they have to do a little bit less work on the bike. So it's a really attractive commuting option can get you to longer distances in a, in a quicker amount of time. And then in February uh, of this current year, we launched our first scooter market um, and the scooters have really been um, sort of an incredible test case uh, of this sort of micromobility notion at large. And um, the, they've been getting quite a lot of attention, and that's because the demand and use of them has been so high, which is really incredible to see. But I think it really just shows that the market has really had a need and a demand for a product like this for quite some time. And we're filling in a, a lot of gaps for cities and um, really solving some of the big transportation issues they have. No, I mean, the, conceptually, it is a, it is absolutely genius, and the execution, to your guys' credit, has been genius as well, because, number one, you, I think you nailed it in terms of the form factor. Yes, e-bikes are wonderful, but in terms of form factor and feasibility in terms of moving and picking up these scooters, recharging them, the form factor, the size of them is perfect. But the other things that you guys did so well was integrating what everyone has uh, in their pocket, which is their smart device. And having the smart device integration, I think, is one of the things that makes your business so attractive to people that are looking for quick and easy ways around a city, wouldn't you say? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And I think to your point, the the you know I think unique ability about this moment in time and why we're able to do this at scale is the you know where GPS and three G technology has evolved, and that's I think what makes this product and what makes it all possible. All of our products have uh, those GPS trackers in them, so that's how we're able to connect them into the app, and folks can find the products directly through the map when they open up our app, and then they just unlock it and lock it from there. And that's what has made this such a seamless solution, which has been really exciting. Yeah, so, so you, you just start to touch on it a little bit. So just walk us through again. For the people that don't know, uh, you're, in a, you're in a city, and you want to look to get around. You open up your app, and what do you do? What is the actual, you know, how do you go through the process of renting one of these scooters? Because you guys made it pretty easy for people, right? Yep. So, yeah, after you download the app, um, it's available on, on every app store, um, you'd open the product, or you'd op- open up our app, a map would pop up, and it would show you where all the products are located near in your vicinity. So, um, you know, if you are at home, you can look in the app, and, and maybe there's a scooter or a bike or an e-bike 10 or 15 feet away from you. You would go up, walk up to the product, and you would scan the unique QR code that exists on the top of every par- product. Um, when you scan it, you then unlock it. Your credit card is directly linked to your account. Uh, and then you take the product wherever you want to go. And that's what makes this such a seamless transportation option. Um, you don't have to go to another dock, docking station. You take the product and park it in the furniture zone of a, of a sidewalk um, to where you ultimately want to go. And that's what makes this sort of a, a perfect solution. It really is a great user experience when you don't have to think about 
going to another dock-based system. You actually can just take it wherever is most convenient for you. So is the individual user kind of in charge of making sure they charge it? Uh, no, not not charging it directly. So our all the scooters are charged by our staff or through a program that we call our Juicer program. So Juicers are sort of an individual um, who wants to sign up uh, and be someone who helps us charge these scooters. Um, oh, cool. We send them the charger. They get money for charging them, um, and then they deploy them the next day by 7 a.m. So they're ready for folks' uh, morning commute. Um, and it's sort of a it's a perfect way to make some extra money. Really great. Um, when we're near college campuses, we find yeah. a lot of students who are looking to make a little bit of extra side income, uh, a great way to make a few extra bucks, um, and a pretty fun uh, way to make some money, too. It, it's pretty fascinating when we um, have to set them to set them up to be charged. It, you'll see a lot of folks just sort of making a mad rush to go find the scooters, and it's, it's, uh, it becomes sort of a game in of itself, which is really fun. <laughs> no, it's really neat. Plus, you're using, obviously, your user base as, you know, as almost you know, employees quite at this point. Um, yeah, yeah. And one of just something I would add there too. One unique thing that we find is a lot of local, local small retail shops. They get involved in this uh, process as well because I think the unique aspect for them is that if they can collect some of the charges, so a coffee shop. Let's let's take that for instance. There's we find a lot of uh, partnerships with local coffee shops and markets that we go. Um, they will collect some of the scooters at night, um, charge them in their cafe, and then deploy them in front of their coffee shop the next morning. I think that allows them some extra foot traffic if folks know yeah. that the scooters are going to consistently be there, and they get to make some extra money on the side. So it's sort of a, a perfect win-win solution for everyone. Now, I've got an odd question for you before I get into the even more odd question is, what's stopping, <laughs> what's stopping you know, Mitchell, Mitchell's, you know, rented one, and he's he stopped off at, I don't know, a convenience store to pick something up. It, does it know that it's still registered to him, or can I go steal that away from him because I receive that it's available? Yeah, so we have a, a new feature that we've rolled out, which is sort of a, a pause feature. So if you are going somewhere quick for about 10 minutes, you can pause it so someone else actually doesn't and rent cool, it in okay. that 10-minute period, and you can get back on it. But it's, you know, it's a short window. The, you know, the beauty and how this really seamlessly works in markets that were fully scaled is the ability to turn them over and, and someone else finds the product and they can take it. So there is a, is a pause option for, for you know, quick little uh, grocery store runs and, and quick convenience store runs. But um, typically when you finish the ride and you lock the product, it's available for the next customer to take it. It is your tech report. We are talking to Nico Propes, manager of Midwest Strategic Development for Lime. Uh, I mean, so, so Nico, tell me, obviously the reason we're talking today is because you've launched this in Waterloo. I never would have thought of a product like this for the Canadian market, of course, because of winter, because of snow, because of all the elements that we deal with here. How have they or how will they fight those elements? So we haven't really launched into a winter market per se yet. Um, you know, we launched our first market in February, and that was in San Jose, California. Um, so, you know, the, the sort of first iteration of this has really been in warm markets. But now as we're expanding, um, we're starting to bring our products into cities that deal with the sort of same climactic elements. We're in Minneapolis, Minnesota, um, so a very sort of comparable winter market um, to some of the Canadian cities. Um, the thought process right now is that the scooters actually won't operate in winter markets, and it depends on the city. There's some cities where it you know, really fluctuates. Yeah. yeah, it fluctuates, and you'll have bad days and good days. Um, and the beauty of the product is that we can we control it all through our app-based system, so we can lock them on the moment's notice. So if, if the weather turns really quickly, we can shut them off so users can't rent them, and then our staff can go collect them and then bring them back on the road when the weather is ready. So it really will depend market to market. I think the beauty of our company at large, though, is that we are a multimodal fleet, and having bikes and e-bikes 
and scooters is a really important component in offering that we can give to cities. The bikes and e-bikes definitely can be operated in winter markets. We're pretty comfortable uh, operating them. We have done that in previous winter markets. Suppen, Indiana was our uh, third uh, market that we ever launched our bikes in, and um, they went through a full winter last year, and, you know, they, they had some days where they had a foot of snow, and there wasn't a single day where the bikes uh, were not operated at least once, which I think goes to show that even in, in cold winter days, there's still transportation demands. People have to get to and from, yep. and so they still utilize them. But the scooters right now, because they're a smaller product, the tire's a lot smaller, um, we don't feel that they're necessarily a product that you could operate in winter weather Yeah, yet. of course. Um, I think there's hope that maybe one day to, down the road we could develop a product that would deal with winter terrain, but that, that's the thought process on the winter markets right now. Now, are the scooters and the bikes, are they are they your own kind of branded bikes, or are they um, like a third-party manufacturer that you guys have gone out and bought? I, I say that because we you know we work closely with a company like Super 73 who make great e-bikes, and I'm curious if it's something like you're repurposing something that exists or it's something that you guys have created from the scratch with your own brand. Yeah, it's it's created from scratch with their own brand. We design them um, and really are, are pretty thoughtful about all the design and tech capabilities, tech components that go into it. Um, and, and that's what I think what makes our products really unique. Um, they are, um, they're really thought through the user experience and, and that's how the design process goes into them. You know, Nico, I just wanted to jump on when you talk about the scooter itself, because as you were mentioning, you, know, you guys build these things from the ground up. I, I, I want to let our listeners know, if you've never tried a Lime scooter, I mean, the range is really good. We're talking about, you know, 20 miles plus of range, which for people trying to get around a city, that's a lot of range. And the speed, you know, people look at it and say, okay, just under 15 miles per hour. That doesn't sound fast, but let me tell you something. If you've ever ridden around, if you've ever ridden around on, an, on, an, on a bike, a scooter of any kind, uh, like a little over 14, 15 miles an hour, that is really getting around at a good clip. So these things have good power. You can get around pretty quickly, and you have a nice range. So it really is a super smart way and a fun way to get around any city. Yeah, no, it absolutely is. And I think the, the, you know, the, the rate of adoption has been incredibly high, and I think it speaks to the demand that you know many users have had for quite some time. I think for quite too long, our cities have been too congested and um, public public transportation isn't as solid as an offering as it should be in many places. Yeah. And the beauty of this product is it really can supplement um, some of those issues that people are dealing with. And I think the, what we've seen so far is, is speaking to, to all of that. The sort of average trip distance we see is typically one to two miles, uh, which is exactly what we want these products to do. We really want them to solve that last mile transportation issue that many people have. And they're really using this to supplement their daily commute. So um, we've done survey studies that show that many users are using these to get to public transportation um, stations, whether it be a train or a bus. Um, and, and that's what's really exciting about this. We really want to get people out of cars and into an alternative, safer, healthier form of transportation. And that's exactly what these are doing. And I think for too long, cities have really developed all of their infrastructure around cars. And, and we're just we, we need to get away from that from that notion, just from safety concerns, environmental concerns. We've got to find something else that makes sense for users to get around their cities. And this really has, I think, hit a sweet spot um, that, that people have been looking for for quite some time. Well, you know, Nico, I can't wait to, you know, I've never actually had the experience of riding either the scooter or the e-bike, but I'm going to, I'm going to intentionally do it next time I'm in California. And I just wanted to say on behalf of, I guess, the entire country, welcome to Canada. Thank you. It's, it's been incredibly exciting. I got to say the, the city of Waterloo and dealing with them was just fanta- a fantastic experience from the outset. When we sort of broached them and, and, Started the conversation with them, uh, you could just see the light bulbs uh, go off. Yeah, and, and they really had the right 
thought approach about this. Um, they've really had some strategic goals on how to address transportation and really been focusing on micromobility options at large. So it's really great to see cities that have an innovative mindset like that. And, and that's what we really want to do. We want to develop great partnerships with cities because we think there's a real symbiotic opportunity here to solve some of the huge challenges that cities are dealing with. And I think that's what's really exciting about about the company. We really feel like we're uh, revolutionizing um, the transportation industry at large. And, and there's just, I think, a lot more excitement to come. Well, and I look forward to hearing about all that. And, of course, I can point our listeners to uh, the website, which is www.li.me, otherwise known as Lime. Uh, Nico, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. I cannot wait to speak to you again when there's some more news to announce. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you guys having me on and uh, look forward to getting you guys on the scooters. Thank you, Nico. And thank you guys for joining us for another edition of Your Tech Report. Of course, uh, thanks go out to uh, Danny Israelis also at uh, Temi Robot. Check out robottemi.com. And of course, check out Lime, www.li.me. It is Your Tech Report. On behalf of Mitchell Whitfield, I am Mark Aflalo. Thank you for being here with us. We will see you again next week. You've been tuned in to Your Tech Report. Join us again next week for another edition. And be sure to follow Your Tech Report online. Email us. Contact at yourtechreport.com. Follow us on Twitter at yourtechreport. Like us on facebook.com slash yourtechreport. For the latest in breaking tech news and reviews, yourtechreport.com. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holawati from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com.